We are Gateway Chapel, where we build your world by His Word. We stand for fun, friendship, fellowship, and family. You are listening to a Gateway Chapel message. Hello, good evening. Good evening, Gateway Chapel family. It is um, my extreme honor to be able to bring God's Word to you tonight. Um, my name is JP. I'm one of the ministers here at Gateway Chapel, and I've been in Gateway Chapel since 2005. So that's 17 years of God just impacting and changing my life over the years. I'm so blessed today that I get to bring you and share, get to share God's word with you. Um, first of all, I want to say a massive thank you to Pastor Eddie and Pastor Bola. Thank you so much for allowing me um, have the pulpit tonight to share God's word with your people, with, with God's people. It's, um, it is going to be great. So um, get your pens and your paper ready um, and then let's pray. First of all, I want to pray for you and then I'm going to pray for me. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you because, Lord, you have ordained your people to be here today. I thank you because you've ordained your word. You've prepared it for your people. Heavenly Father, I pray against every distraction. I pray against anything, oh God, that will stop them from receiving the word that you have prepared for them. Almighty God, I thank you for, for the opportunity to share your word today, Lord. You, you've, you clearly say in your word that there are vessels of honor and there are vessels on to dishonor. I pray, Lord, that you will use me tonight as a vessel that will bring glory to your name. I pray you will use me as a vessel that will bring repair and restoration into the lives of your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. You say amen for yourself and please say amen for me as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 50, 58 verse 12, which pastor has just read. But I want to read it in the easy read version. It says, your cities have been destroyed for many years, but you will rebuild them and their foundations will last for a long time. You will be called fence fixer and builder of roads and houses. Now, the declaration that came at the beginning of um, the month um, in this our month of bridging gaps is that anything that's broken, anything that's broken, whatever it is, be it a marriage, be finances, be it your career, anything that's broken, anything that's broken, this is the season of repair. This is such an exciting season and an exciting time. If there's anything broken in your life, if there's anything you feel that um, is not put together, is not, is not the way you would like it to be. Um, you see, this is, this is such a great time because when God, God, gives us a word of bridging gap and God gives us a word of repair and restoration, then you really need to stand on your feet and get down on your knees and pray this one through because God, the, the heavens are open for us in this season for repairs and restoration to happen in our lives. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor also said that there will be a, an unusual anointing. Now, now this month, I think this month is, is a month that... Um, that is, it's a bit unusual in itself because when we get the prophetic word, usually, we get the prophetic word that tells us God is going to, 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 to do a work in our lives. Now, but this month, yes, God is going to restore and he's going to repair. But he then also says, you yourself will be a repairer, a fence fixer, a rebuilder. And pastor declared over us that there will be an unusual anointing released upon us that will help us to bridge gaps in the lives of the people around us. And so shall this be in the mighty name of Jesus. You will be a repairer and a fixer in the lives of the people around you. God has ordained you for such a time as this. There are people that are waiting just for you 
to step into their lives and to step into their situation and bring hope into a hopeless situation and bring light into a dark situation. You will, you will, you will, you will walk in this unusual anointing that the Lord has opened upon us in this season in the mighty name of Jesus. And you say amen because that prayer is for you. Hallelujah. Okay. If we look at gap bridges and people who've bridged the gap. There's so many great examples in the Bible of people who have bridged gaps. If we're to look at the likes of Joseph, Joseph bridged the gap that stopped an extreme famine from happening. His wisdom is what he used to bridge that gap and an and extreme famine that could have wiped out nations. Joseph, Joseph bridged that gap and, and put an end to that extreme famine. If we look at the likes of Esther, Esther bridged the gap that stopped what could have been the extinction of the Israelites. Esther stepped into her role at that time as the gap bridger, and she brought an end to what could have been an extinction of a whole nation. How about the likes of Moses? Moses bridged the gap, and he brought an end to the slavery that the people had, Israelites had been in for hundreds and hundreds of years. But you know what? There's no gap bridger like our ultimate gap bridger, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who bridged the gap of salvation, who bridged the gap that brought us into, into the place that we're in now, a place where we can come boldly to the throne of grace, a place where we can come boldly and approach the throne of grace because we have access to the salvation that Jesus Christ gave us. Hallelujah. So, you know, I, um, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I go on the school run, I, um, I listen to the radio with my children um, and in the week, um, somebody, one of the OAPs said, um, she asked a question, she posed a question to the listeners and said, um, if you were, if you had the opportunity to choose which Bible character you would like to be, um, who would it be? And I, I just started thinking to myself, I was thinking, oh, it would be, be so cool to be, to be a Daniel. Now, the reason it's cool to be a Daniel is because um, I know how the story ended in the lion's den, so you know, it'd be cool to be a Daniel. Um, how about a Joseph? You know, again, I know how the story ended. He didn't stay in the, in the prison. So because I know, because you know the end of the story, you're like, well, that'd be, that'd be quite cool to be that kind of character. And then my, my, my daughter broke my thoughts and said, mommy, which character would you like to be? So I, I said, saying to her, oh, well, maybe Daniel, maybe Joseph, maybe Esther. I mean, not for a second did I stop to think about the gentleman that we're going to be speaking about this evening. And this gentleman was such a gap bridger. Um, and that's the man of Gideon. So we're going to turn our Bibles to the book of Judges chapter 6. And we're going to stay, we're going to, most of the, of, of the message is going to be in Judges chapter 6. So Judges chapter 6 from verse 1 to 6. That just gives us a, a little bit of a summary of the time that Gideon, this judge, he was one of the judges, gives us a summary of what he had to, what was going on in the nation at the time. So the Israelites had done what, um, they're really, you know, pronounced, good at doing. Um, and and they, had, um, they had backtracked again. God had shown them mercy and they had backtracked again and, and they had started to follow other idols. Um, and so at this time, God was really, really upset with them. And I think this one is a serious punishment that he gave them where he delivered them into the hands of the people called the Midianites. Now, the Midianites, there's a particular... Um, um, version of the Bible that I read that said they were powerful and they were cruel. So not only did they come to destroy 
or, or to cause havoc and cause pain to the people of Israel. Um, so it wasn't just like, like the normal wars where they would enslave them. No, no, this time around, they took it to the whole new level and put them in extreme, what was called famine, in extreme um, um, starvation. Um, and and if, if we look at verses 3 and 4, verses 3 and 4 says, just to give you a little bit of, of, of background as to where, where um, Gideon came in. He said, so it was. Whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Amalekites <clears throat> and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come with their livestock and their tents, coming in numerous numbers as locusts. Now, the Israelites had no, ch they, they, they really had no, no, no way out here. Um, they were in their land, they were, they were planting and, and tilling their land, but every time the produce and the harvest came, what was happening to them? They, the Midianites will come and they will, and they will destroy everything that they had done. And so, and so what did they do? They cried out to God. They cried out to God and said, Lord, help us here. Because at, at this point, they had to start hiding food in caves. Um, and as they, as they cried out to God, God sent a man to them. And that's how God really responds to our cries. That's how God responds to us when we reach out, when we cry out to him from a place of brokenness, from a place of, 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 of hurt, from a place of... Um, of, you know, prolonged suffering like, 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 or, or, or a place that where we need repair. And they cried out to God and God sent them the man Gideon, a very reluctant Gideon, but nonetheless, he went. So my prayer for you this evening is that in this season, in this season of, of repair and gap bridging, that the Lord will open your eyes to see and to hear the word and the person that he has sent to you. You know, God raises men for us in different places. God raises men for us in work, in our workplace. He'll raise men for us in our business. He'll raise men for us. Somebody, he can raise somebody for you in, in your child's school that can just fix that problem once and for all. So my prayer is that the Lord will open your eyes to see the man that the Lord has sent to you because that's how God works. He sends the man that will give you that solution that you have been looking for. He will send the man that will fix that problem, that will repair that problem. May the Lord, may the Lord open our eyes to see the man that he has raised for us for this season. In the mighty name of Jesus, we've prayed. Amen. Now, that's our prayer for ourselves. But then how about us? This two-pronged... Um, prophetic word for this season, which is unusual. We don't usually get this. Um, where do you then fit into this two-pronged approach? You yourself, pray for the Lord to use you, to use you to be a repairer for another man. You know enough. You have enough. You are enough for somebody else to benefit from what it is that you've got, in, in, what you've got inside to help repair, to bring life into what is an, what is a hopeless situation. I pray this evening that the Lord will open your eyes and open the eyes of the man that needs you to see you so that they can benefit from what it is that the Lord has put inside of you for them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we've prayed. Amen. Now we look at Gideon. Now Gideon, so this is the background of where Gideon is. He is in this situation where he is um, 
it's a very fearful time in, in the land of Israel. It's a very, it's a very um, a tight time in the land of Israel. Everybody is kind of suffering and they're crying out to God. And so we go back into the book of Judges. Judges from, from chapter, still in chapter 6, but from verse 11. Now Gideon. Gideon um, is he's doing something very interesting at this point in time. Gideon is he's, he's, threshing, he's threshing wheat. But he's doing it in a very interesting place. So let's go to verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abysrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all, he, where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Okay, so let's have a quick look and breakdown of what's happening here. First of all, Gideon is doing a job in a place where he has no business doing that job. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. In this wine, now the, 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 the act of threshing wheat, I, 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 in my, in my, in my um, upbringing, when I, when I grew up very frequently, it was very commonplace in my home um, for um, us to be drying grain under the, the sun. I grew, I grew up in, in Nigeria, um, and it was very, very commonplace for us to, to dry grains um, in, under the hot sun and then remove the shaft from the grain um, in that process. Um, and, and it involved us, you know, kind of beating the, the granary so that the shaft comes off and then we're left with what we, what we need for, 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 for the food. Now, having experienced that process, the, the, the process of winnowing, which is separating the shaft from the grain, um, I know you, don't, you can't do it in an enclosed space. If you do it in an enclosed space, you're going to get very uncomfortable very quickly because the shaft, when you actually, when you're actually um, beating grain, you need to you need to watch the wind. So you've got to use the wind to help get the shaft away from where you're standing. If you don't pay attention to the direction that the wind is blowing, then it's going to blow up into your eyes. Now, in Gideon's case, he was in an enclosed, um, what was almost like a pit, and he was doing this act of threshing because obviously there were the Midianites. And in the process of doing this, he would have been very, very uncomfortable. He would have been uncomfortable because you can't get rid of all of that shaft without it sort of getting in your eyes and getting in your face. And I, and, and I, and I was thinking about the, the man, Gideon, and, and this act that he was doing, because at this point in time, God had a job for him to do, but he was busy self-serving himself, because all he was doing at this point was thinking about number one. So how many of us have God called us to do a work for him? How many of us have God called us to build for him? How many of us have God called us that we have things that we need to, to, to do in the lives of the people around us, to repair and to build, but we're so busy self-serving ourselves, we don't have time to, to look around. If you look at the question that the, that, that the angel said to um, ask, or, or, or the comment that the angel um, made when he, he first spoke to, to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. 
Now, Gideon completely ignored the part of the mighty man of valor and just started questioning the angel. What do you mean the Lord is with us? How can the Lord be with us? Look at what we're going through. Still very focused on him. Still very focused on himself. So again, I ask, when we make ourselves uncomfortable and we are pursuing the act of getting that extra home or that bigger home, the extra income, the big promotion, and we make ourselves uncomfortable in the process, which we do just like, just like Gideon was doing here. Where do we then, where is the target? Where is that going? What are we doing with that? Are we, are we focused on, I'm going to look good once I get this big promotion? Or is there, is there anyone else in the process? Is there anyone else, is there anyone else you, you are looking at? You know, I, I, I think I forgot to mention the title of, this, of the, this message, and it's Get Set to Build. We're getting set to build because this is, this is a season. This is a great season to build. We're getting set to build not just our lives, but the lives of the people around us. So here we are. Here is Gideon, so engrossed in himself, so narrow-minded, just self-serving. I, I, I pray that as we... As we, as we um, as we go through the month and the season of being repairers, that our eyes will be open to see the needs of the people around us. Our eyes will be open to see the need that God has put inside of us to fix. I pray our eyes will be open to see the need that we have to fix and in the kingdom of God, in the house of God. What is it that God has put inside of you that you need to do for the house? That somebody is waiting patiently on you to come and do. You know, I pray that at this, in this season, even as we, we get set and we get ourselves ready to build, our eyes will be open. We will see where it is that we need to be. And we will stop looking so internally and start looking externally in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, Gideon, like I said, he completely, completely ignored what the angel was saying. The angel had to come back and, 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 and continue speaking to him. So I would say the first thing that we need to be very, very careful of when we are getting set to build is one, negative thoughts. We need to be so careful not to be um, so self-serving in our, in our opinion. We've got to be so careful to pay attention to what is coming out of our mouth. We need to be so careful. See, we build with our words. We build with our words. We build with our words. Our words are so, so powerful. We need, to be, we need to be so intentional about what it is that we are saying. Okay, so let's ca carry on with the book of, in the book of Judges, still in Judges chapter 6. And then we're looking at verse 14. And, and this is where we're going to focus on the words that are coming out of the man's mouth. The, this, this gentleman, this builder, who was a builder, and he was a builder and was going to bridge the gap in the lives of the Israelites, but he just wasn't aware of it just yet. So Judges chapter 6, verse 14. It says, then the Lord turned to him, and said, go in this might of yours. Now notice the Lord has brought him back to what it is that he's trying to draw his attention to. He is a mighty man of valor and there is a mighty work that's ahead of him for, for him to do. He says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now what was Gideon's response? So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So here we're looking at what you mustn't do as a great builder. Number one, let's not focus on self. Don't be self-serving. Number two, 
the words that we speak are so powerful. The words that we, we say are so powerful. The Lord has given us the spirit of life and death in our tongue. And what we say and what we do with that, with that power is so important and so essential in this act of us building our lives and building the lives of the people around us. Amen. Okay, so here we go. So Gideon, Gideon, Gideon is trapped, focusing on everything negative. He can't see anything positive about this. So I was asking myself, I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, if I ever had a builder come to my house and I said to the builder, oh, um, maybe I had some work I wanted to do. And I said to the builder, oh, look, um, I just, I want, I want, a, I want, I want a, an open plan living space. And then the builder starts to tell me, well, I can, I can, I can open up this living space for you, but... Um, if I put a beam in five years' time, it may collapse on somebody's head. Um, or maybe I can only do a space that's just wide enough for maybe one person to go past at a time. You know, you're, you're going to think, this is just, there's nothing, there's nothing positive, there's nothing um, great about this builder. You really don't want to use that builder, but God still had a job to do with the man Gideon, so it didn't matter what he was going to say. I pray sometimes, you know, you, you know, sometimes we get in, in the way and, and, and God still has a way of catching us and still getting us to do what it is that he wants to do. I remember the message that pastor was preaching on Sunday. He said, just come willingly. And I, and I kept telling myself that just go willingly because you don't want God to chase after you. You don't want God to do it his own way. So don't, don't, don't let God do it, your, you know, his own way. First thing, so negative speaking. Negative speaking is an absolute no-no. It's an absolute no-no for um, a builder, for a builder's mindset, for, 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 for us to build our lives and the lives of the people around us. Um, I want us to just, you know, look at this scripture in Psalm, no, sorry, Proverbs, Proverbs 15, verse 4. Um, and it's, it's the message version that I like us to look at because I find the message version is so, so powerful. And also what I'm saying about words being powerful builders. It says, kind words heal and help. Cutting words, wound, and maim. And when Pastor was opening up the service, he said that we are, in this, in this us, us as builders, we're there to heal the lives. We're, we're, we're there to heal situations. We're there to heal people. You can never heal a person without the right words. You can never heal a person without, those, without the words that will build up. We've got to be so careful what we use in our words. May the Lord give us the grace to, to caution our tongue that the words that come out from our mouth, as we build our lives and build the lives of the people around us, as we build our families, as we build, as we build our, 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 our careers, as we build um, ministry, as we build what God has called you to do, that your words will be in alignment with that building. They will bring healing and help into that process of building in the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. So a good question to ask yourself is how much of my words bring healing? A little, a lot, not at all. Wherever it is, if it's a little, I mean, you can, you can do a little bit more now. You can, you can raise that up a, a little bit. You can, you can add more healing words. But then it's not just healing words. It's not just positive words. So I'm not a positive speaker. I'm not a motivational speaker. The words that I'm talking about, the powerful words, the words that are life, the words that are death, the word is the word of God. There's nothing as powerful as the word of God. There's nothing as, as, as sharp as the word of God. So I'm talking about upping your powerful words with scripture-based positivity. Mm. 
speaking the promises of God, speaking the hope of God into your life, into your situation, into the lives of the people that you've been called to build, into the lives of the people that are just waiting patiently for you to share one scripture with them. I'm praying that the Lord will open our mouths to use, to say his own words, to say the words that he has ordained in his own book, the words that are life and death. Those are the words that are powerful. Those are the words that bring life. Those are the words that bring change. Those are the words that change a situation. It's the word of God. I pray this evening that our mouths will be filled with God's words. Our mouth will be filled with the word of God. We'll meditate upon his word, and that's what will come out of our mouths when we open them to speak to the people around us, just as we go about healing lives and just as we go about building ours. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So I've said two things so far, one, two things that are an absolute no-no. Number one, um, don't be self-serving. Number two, your words, no negative words. Then this one, this one, this one, I, I find this one very, very, very um, particularly important for us. The reason I find it important for us is because I think in, in the day and age that we are in, um, the, day of the, 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 the um, era of social media, it's, such, it's, such, it's so easy to fall into this trap. And what is this trap I'm talking about? Go back. Let's go back to the book of Judges, chapter 6, and let's look again at verse 15. And I just want to look again at what he has said. He said, so he said to him, this is Gideon speaking to, to God, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So what he's done here is he's done an analysis. He's looked at it. And he's done a gap analysis and he has said, I'm no good. He has looked, he's compared himself. And that's the trap of comparison. That's where I'm going with this. He's compared his clan. He's compared his family. He has compared himself and his bottom of the barrel here. So I was thinking to myself, actually, God is, God is, God is, God is, um, God is amazing. You know, he really is. If again, let me go back to this, my builder scenario. If a builder came into your house and he was trying to get a contract from you and then he said to you, um, actually, yes, my firm is successful, but in my firm, my team, we get the fewest contracts. And um, even without, within that team, I as a person, um, I've, had, I've had the least amount of contracts, to be honest. And, and actually, if, if, if you really look at it, I'm kind of bottom of the barrel here, you know, like I'm, I mean, I'm equivalent to an apprentice, you know. I mean, you're probably going to say, um, I'll come back to you with my decision. And that, that, will, that will be the response. But, but not God. It didn't matter that he had analyzed and compared and then come to the conclusion that he was so bottom of the barrel, he was just not who God needed. God still looked at him and said, no, 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 young man, you are the mighty man of valor that I am talking about. It is you. And so if we look at the book of James, chapter 3, verse 16, again, the message version, I want to show you the trap that comparison, what comparison does that stops, that, that cripples us really from being the builders that we are designed to be, that God has called us to be. Okay, so James 3, verse 16 um, if we can have it in the message version, perfect. If we can't have it in the message version, don't worry, I've got it. Okay, <clears throat> so James 3.16 says, Whenever you are trying to look better than others, or get bet better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throat. 
the thing about comparison is there's never a winner because you can compare and think, oh, I'm better than everybody. And the problem of that is then pride and arrogance sets in. Or you can look at the situation and say, well, actually, I'm not good enough. And then what happens is you get crippled. You're so crippled that you don't take a step forward, you don't move, you don't do anything. You, wouldn't, you would never speak to that person that needs you. You would never do that because as far as you're concerned, you're not good enough. But God, God, didn't, God didn't see us. He didn't see us that way. He didn't see us as not good enough. God sees you as how he's seen Gideon in verse 16. So let's look at verse 16. This is how God sees us, and this is how we should see ourselves. He says, he settles this issue of I'm not good enough in verse 16. And the Lord says to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Wow. Now, you've heard about this media life. These people were powerful. These people were cruel. These people caused misery to the lives of the Israelites for seven years. And then Gideon saw himself as somebody who was just, you, you don't really, uh, you can't, it can't be me, Lord. No, honestly, look at this. It can't, it can't be me. But God said, you will defeat this whole people. All this, these people have been horrible and, and, and cruel to the Israelites for seven years. He says, you defeat them as, as one man. So, if we see, if we talk about how we should not see ourselves when it comes to us in, our, in, in building or the way God sees us, then how indeed should we see ourselves? What, what do we need to, what, what qualities do we need to possess? How should we view ourselves and how should we look at um, ourselves as bridge, as, as, gap, as gap bridges, as builders? So I want to look at a, a few qualities that, that Gideon displayed that were absolutely brilliant and things that we should emulate and copy in this our period, in this season of gap bridging, okay? So it turns, it, it, if, if we go to, go, let's go to Judges chapter 6, verse 25 to 27. So what's happened in the meantime is Gideon then enters into, he, he, he tests God a couple of times and then he you know, then carries on with the assignment that God has given him. Now, the first assignment that God has given him, God has given him this task to do something that scared him so much, he just decided he wasn't going to do it, he was just going to do it at night. But he did it. Okay? So, Judges chapter 6, verse 25 to 27, he said, Now it came to pass, um, the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull and the second bull of seven years and tear down the altar of Baal, and that your father has cut down and the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock um, in the proper arrangement <clears throat> and take the second bull and the burnt sacrifice with the wood and the image with which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him because he feared his, his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day. He did it at night, but did it, he did. <laughs> If that's even proper English. But he did do it. He did it. He was committed to doing something that was so tough and so difficult. As builders, we've got to be committed to do those things that are so tough and so difficult or seemingly tough and difficult in our eyes. You know that person that you know God wants you to, to reach out to? That person that you know needs to come to church? That blocks your call when you call them? <laughs> Has x you on Instagram? Doesn't respond to your messages on Facebook? That person. Seemingly difficult. You don't, let, you don't let pride get in the way of this. 
You chase after them because they need to be built. They need, they need, this is the season of restoration. And this is where, this is where your, 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 um, your ministry is. This is where your, your work is. This is what God has called us to do. Okay? So committed to the building project. If you've seen a building project, the building project is, is no mean feat. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes effort. But follow through is what Gideon demonstrated in this scripture. And then I think as, as time got on and as he experienced more with God, he got bolder and bolder with God. So I want us to just have a quick look at what happens when he actually goes to war with the Midianites. And if we go to the book of Judges, chapter 7, we're going to read verses 1 to 3. It almost felt like God was sending him on a suicide mission, but still, go, he went. So Judges, chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of, of, of Harod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Least Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaiming the hearing of the people, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. <clears throat> and 22,000 of the people returned, and only 10,000 remained. So by the law of maths, let's do this maths. So there's 22,000 people who've gone, and there are 10,000 people who remained. So in total, he had an army of 32,000 people. But we've heard about this Midianites. These Midianites were a vast army. So possibly the 32,000 people that he had in the first place were probably not even enough. And then God tells him to make this declaration. And he obeys it. He stays committed to what God has asked him to do. And he does. He makes this declaration. And more than half of the people are gone. So he looks around and his 10,000 people left. Okay. And you think God is done, but he's not yet done. By the time we get to verse 7, God has whittled his army down to a mere 300 men. And these are the people who are going to fight against a vast army of the Midianites. I don't know about you, but if I were Gideon at this point, I would have been asking the Lord some questions. But I think he had already asked his questions previously. He'd already asked God to, to show him signs. So this point in time he was committed he was very committed he was following through he was committed to obeying what the lord has asked him to do he was committed to seeing this 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 he was committed to repairing the nation of his the nation of israel he was committed to restoring them back to where they needed to be. He was so committed to it. It didn't matter. Even if, I believe, even if, even if God had made it, had whittled it down to 30 people, he would have still gone and he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have wavered. But how committed are we? How committed are we to what God has asked us to do? If we take a simple, uh, simple, it's simple. If we, if we, if we look at, uh, do an analysis of our, our connect group attendance, how committed are we? It's online, switch on your camera, participate, share, because you don't even know what the people in your connect group are going through. You don't know who it is that needs to hear what it is that God has revealed to you. And how committed are we? 
But may the Lord give us the grace to be committed. May the Lord give us the grace to follow through just like Gideon did, regardless of what the situation looks like, regardless of what the analysis of the situation looks like, okay? So there we go. Now, Gideon, understandably, I think, was a little bit worried at this point. And then by verse 14, if we go and look at verse 14, let's read verse 14. Verse 14 says, Gideon asked God to just please give him a sign that he's still with him because at this point he was a little bit, he was, he was worried. So by, by verse 14, they go into the camp of the Midianites and he says, then his companion answered and said, there is nothing else but the sword of, okay, oh, actually, I'm sorry, let me back that up a little bit. Um, so verse 13, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. So Gideon had gone into, God, Gideon had asked um, God, to please give him a sign. And God had said to him, go into the camp of, of the Midianites. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. And then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Does this not tie in with what God said at the beginning? When God said he would deliver it into his own hand, one man, a whole army. And here again is another confirmation because of his commitment. He was so committed to building it. He was so committed. That even the enemy knew that he was committed to restoring his, the nation Israel back to, where, back to where it was before the Midianites started to oppress them. May the Lord give us the grace to be committed. May the Lord give us the grace to follow through in the mighty name of Jesus. There's another very, 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 very important requirement that we need to build. A requirement maybe is a very lax way of saying this, but um, the, word, the thing is not, it's not requirement, but we need to be very conscious of this. And I would like us to go to the book of Judges chapter 6. So we go back to Judges chapter 6 and read verse 34 and 35. So Judges chapter 6 verse 34 and 35 says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Abysrites gathered behind him and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher Zebulon and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. Can I just remind you, all the way back in verse 14, Gideon had said, in the tribe of Manasseh, we're the least. My family is the least. I'm the least in my family. And here's where the game changing happens. In verse 34, it says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. God has given us his spirit. It's a precious gift that he has given us. It's a precious gift that he has given us. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and then he blew his trumpet. And then he started to summon not just his own tribe, but look, he then extended his, his territory. He goes to Asher, he goes to Zebulun, he goes to Naphtali. This is the man that said, I'm the least. And then here's, what, here's, where, here's where you know that this is just the manifest power of the Holy Spirit. Not only did he summon them, they came. They came. They too, they went up to meet him. 
And these are the people who went to go fight the war, as we read in Judges 7. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is a game changer in our lives. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, will help us in this, in this, in this um, time of building. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our aid. The Holy Spirit is the person that the Lord has given us, this precious gift, his own spirit that is available for us. I pray that we'll be more conscious of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we'll be more acknowledging of the person of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we will, will not create an environment where the Holy Spirit is able to speak to us and to help us because that's the game changer here for this building, Gideon. But you know, we've got, to, we've got to receive the person of the Holy Spirit. We've got to receive the person of Jesus first. Finally, another quality that we need is always that reminder that we give glory back to God. It's not about us. We're building, God is building our lives, we are building the lives of other people, but it's not about us. The glory should never come back to us. And Gideon was so aware of this. Judges chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. After the battle had been won, the Israelites came back and said, Gideon, rule over us. Not just you, Gideon, your sons, your grandson. It was going to become like a monarchy. And... Because you saved us from the hand of the Midianites. And Gideon, Gideon, look at Gideon's response. He said, Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you, nor shall my grandson rule over you. It's only the Lord that shall rule over you. He gave all the glory, returned all the glory back to God. You know, when the Lord uses us, when he uses us to transform lives, when he uses us to restore, when he uses us to bring hope into a situation that's hopeless, it's never about us. It's always about his glory. But like I said, we can never acknowledge, you can never, understand, you, can never, you can never walk in this except if you accept the person of Jesus Christ. And where are you? Have you made that decision? Have you made that choice today? Is Jesus Christ going to be the Lord and master of your life? I pray that you will decide to accept him. And if you have accepted him, I pray that you, you, you will make a decision today to walk with the Holy Spirit because there is nothing like it that is the spirit of God made readily available as a precious gift for you and I to walk with. I heard the story about this gentleman, um, and um, I, 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 I laughed when I heard it. So I thought, oh, I'm going to do a PB on you and share a joke with you. <laughs> PB is Pastor Mola, by the way. Um, so there was, a, there was this gentleman who had come into church, and um, he, he, he was so blessed by the word that he... He, 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 he decided to give his life to God at the altar call. And he was so, so blessed. And, you know, he said, Lord, here I am. I want to build your house. I want to, I want to serve in your house. I love you, Lord. You know, he was just so moved. And um, said to the pastor, Pastor, I, I want to work in God's house right now. Give me, give me a post right now. Give me, give me a position. I want to do something. And pastor said, oh, we need ushers, you know. So, so please come and serve in the ushering team. And the, man, the guy was like, ah, yes, I'm, I'm ready for this. You know, came in, I'm a serious usher, his suit, everything. It was like today, um, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm serving Jesus. I'm loving the Lord. And then um, he started his ushering um, job for the first time. 
And then he, he, uh, he told the first person that walked through the door, oh, go to the left, have a, have a lovely seat. And, and the person went to the right. And he thought, maybe they didn't hear me. Maybe just didn't understand me. First time at this job. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, second person came and was like, oh, you know, come and sit on the left. And the person kind of eyed him and walked off. And, and then by the time the third person did that, the man went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, you know, I gave my life to Jesus yesterday. Pastor said, yes. And he said, Pastor, you know, I'm serving the ushering team. He said, yes, Pastor, yes, I know you are. And he said, I gave my life to Jesus yesterday. Pastor said, yes, you did. He said, if I can just take it back from Jesus for five minutes, <laughs> I will uh, just need to speak to three people. And I will come back, and I promise I'll give my life to Jesus forever. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <laughs> um, but that's not, that's, not, that's not the way, that's not, that's not, that's not how, how we should give our lives to Jesus. We should give it to him completely. I pray that as you get on your marks and get set to build, you will, you will, you, you will, you will fly with this building. You will build, you will restore you will, you will change lives around you. I pray the Lord will help us. I pray the Lord will engrace us. And we will do an amazing job of representing our God in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at www.gatewaychapel.org.uk Remember to subscribe so you'll never miss another message like this one. Be blessed.